as God is my witness, I, uh, um, as God is my witness, I promise I will start writing down these intros before I turn on the mic. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. This is They Don't Make Them Like They Used To, your Friday evening nostalgia trip down memory lane at the movies. Talking about movies that were made previous to 1980 and just fawning and going on about how that just doesn't happen anymore. We don't see that much. With me as always, well, first of all, my name is Tosin. I will be your host for the next hour and a half. And with me... As always, it's Sean. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure, there you are. There, there. Mic's on. I'm there. I'm my you, mic on. That's you good. were being so quiet, I actually thought that maybe the <laughs> mic wasn't working. And oh. we welcome back Sharon. Hello. Yay. Hey. Sharon, the last couple of weeks in the studio have been a little bit of a guy fest. With oh, all boys together. Yeah, yeah. If you've listened to some of those shows, like if you've managed to get like the link on Facebook or anything like that, you'd see that Sean and I were actually going, hmm. We've just been talking about men and men <laughs> movies and men. men being men things and punching each other in the face and stuff. It's like, we need Sharon back. We need Sharon back quick. So yeah, welcome yeah. back. You Thank were you. missed. You were missed. <laughs> so um, what do we do at this show? This show, as I've already explained, we talk about old movies. We usually have four sections. The first section is, you know, is a bona fide classic. We talk about a film that is widely accepted to be a f- classic that everybody knows about. The second film is usually a patient choice, although unfortunately I blame Mary Berry, but I haven't been into the hospital today, so we will not be having a patient choice today. The third film is a is a hidden gem, so it's a film that should have been seen more, but unfortunately for one reason or another hasn't actually been seen more. And then the, finally today we shall be ending with an exception to the rule, which is a film that we think has been made after 1980, but come on, it's a good one. It can stand up in any period of film, stand it up beside anybody, and it would still look good. Isn't that right, people? Indeed. Absolutely. That is what we do here on this show. And now, the sh- uh, we had a little bit of a discussion as to exactly how this ended up on our list. But come when we think about it, frankly, it's a, it's. I'm a bit shocked it hasn't come up on our list. We haven't actually spoken about this film beforehand. I'm pretty sure it came, I think it came from a, a regular contributor, Tib, on Facebook, who suggested Gone with the Wind. Good girly movie. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. After the last couple of weeks, we thought we needed something to just even it out. So why don't why not go for a film that lasts about as long as the day does? It's a long one. <laughs> it's, it's a long one. <laughs> you need stamina. But, but a good one. Women have stamina. All right. Okay, cool. Gone with the Wind is a bit of an interesting film because it's a film that I think, I haven't seen it, but I think I actually know more about stuff around this film than I know about what actually happens in the film. Okay. But it's one of these things where I know, okay, I know there's a couple of famous scenes that almost everybody knows, even they've been parodied to God knows what. You've never seen the film. You don't even know what the context of the scene is. You don't know what the context of the quote is, but you know the quote. And if you see someone spoofing it, you get the reference, even though you haven't seen the film. And it's, and you know that it's, I know that it's a long film, like what, three, four hours? 230 minutes, I think it is. 230 minutes. That, that, yeah, that is almost four hours Nearly long. Nearly four hours that's, long. That's yeah. three hours, 50 minutes. 10 minutes short of four hours. So it's, I know it's a long film, but besides that, I don't really know much. So 
Somebody tell me what is the plot of Gone with the Wind? Okay, I've done my research about Gone with the Wind. It was made. It was filmed. It started filming in 1938, mm-hmm. and but it was filmed throughout 1939 and had the cinema release in January of 1940. So putting it in a context, it's film set in the on the day the film starts on the day that the American Civil War breaks out. Okay, and the our main we meet our main characters. We meet Scarlett O'Hara who has grown up as a southern belle in the southern states of America. Yep. And her family is giving a party. And all the young men from the, the town are there, all the young women from the, the, the area are there. And then there's this stranger who's there as well, who's, we'll, we'll meet him later. And on this day, it's, it's going to be announced that her cousin, her, her neighbouring, the neighbouring plantation, Ashley Wilkes, is going to announce his engagement and he tells Scarlett, because they've grown up together, and that she, he's going to get engaged to her best friend, Melanie. Now, Scarlett has loved Ashley all her life, and she declares herself to him, saying, actually, no, 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 you can't marry her, you should marry me, because I love you. And I'll love you better than she does. She's just, you know, she's awful. And he says, no, 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 I love I love um, Melanie and I'm going to marry her. <laughs> and in the room at this same time, she doesn't know it, but there's the stranger who's not new, who's new to her society, Rhett Butler. Uh, Mark Darcy. To... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he overhears all this. So your scene is set immediately. You've got this willful, slightly spoilt girl who she sees something that she wants and she thinks it's her right to have it. Then you've got the slightly wet but noble, you know, Ashley... Ashley, and, oh, Ashley. <laughs> and then you've got Rhett Butler, who is this dark, dashing, slightly dangerous character. So that's our scene set. It's on the eve of the war. And then the story progresses through the next four hours. You see Scarlett's fortunes rise and fall. And her relationship, the, the two entangled loves, her love for Ashley and her unrealised love in many ways for Rhett Butler comes through. Okay. Uber cool. Uber cool. And so the story follows the progression of the war as the war wafts and wanes for the South. So the fortunes of Scarlet sort of wafts and wanes as well. So you have when the the, the the South ride out triumphantly at the beginning, they're all full of swagger and they're like, yeah, we'll teach these Yankees a lesson. You can't come here telling us how to live our lives. So you've got this, the glory of the South. Then you've got the humiliating defeats in the army where oh. they lose at Gettysburg. And then... The, the south the, the south is then invaded by the north and then you've got the burning of Atlanta the very famous scene okay okay so so, so it's, it's, their, their fortunes are intertwined the south and Scarlett O'Hara okay so there's a couple of things I mean because um, this was based on a book wasn't it like, yes. it was based on quite a well-known famous book Margaret Mitchell's book and that's about four inches thick <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it seems I know a couple of weeks ago we spoke about the duelist Ridley Scott Davies. yes and you were talking about how that kind of looks at the sort of like the whole Napoleonic campaign. Yeah, and the but, fortunes are tied between the main character and Napoleon. Yeah. Like, their fortunes like mirror each other. Yeah, yeah. So, is, so is this kind of like a similar trick that was done in The Duelist as is being done with Gone with the Wind? In yes. which it's kind of like you're looking at a historical thing, but you're looking at it through not really in the context of or big massive battles, but in the context of this is how it's affecting this one family yes. or something like you that. You don't see the war as the war's played out, you see the war through her eyes. You see the war through Scarlet's eyes. Yeah, yeah, because that's the thing that always confused me. Because it always sounds like it's it's built around a war, but it's 
well, it essentially let, let's let's separate it this way. The film is very popular with women, which doesn't yeah. seem to go with the war movie, as Sean will probably tell no. us. No, <laughs> yeah. there have these set pieces that draw the gentleman in. Obviously, you've got the burning of Atlanta, you've got those scenes, and you've got scenes with the carpet baggers, and you've got other scenes with people. But yeah, it's mainly set from the viewpoint from the, through the eyes of Scarlett O'Hara. Okay. I keep thinking Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah but from a historical standpoint, that's quite interesting. But yeah. uh, we'll talk more about that later, perhaps. Okay. But, yeah, oh. you heard that. Her, so you can also see as well her fortunes are tied with her plantation, which is called Tara. Okay. And and it's the fortunes of the South as well. It's all embodies the the spirit of the South. Okay. So when they're defeated, she says, "You know, I oh, will. You know." Tomorrow was another day, and it's that almost that resolution of the South to say we've okay. been defeated, but we're not beaten. All right, okay. Oh, well, um, I'm going to play a clip from the film, and then you can come back and explain to me what the heck's going on. Okay. <laughs> and we have a couple of clips from the film to play, and then um, and then after that, after that, oh, maybe if we could just have a little bit of a why was the book so why was it so such a phenomenon this book before it became a film? But um, here is a clip from Gone with the Wind simply called God is my witness. As stirring as I find that, I've, I've always found that scene a bit confusing because it seems like the end of the film, but it seems like quite a downer, like the way the sort of music swells yeah. and everything like that. It does sound like the ending of a film. Yeah, it's not the end. That's in the middle. Okay, cool. So in the yeah. is, this, is this one of those films that was so long and as they did, I know they did it a lot where they had an interval. Yes, I think this is before the interval. All right, so this is this is essentially essentially the, uh, the end is, of the first part. This is the end of the first act. Yeah. Okay. And it's basically this is coming towards the end of the civil war. What's happened is, through the various ups and downs of Scarlett's life, she's had two marriages. Her first husband was killed, and he was he died of pneumonia at the beginning of the war, and her second husband was killed by carpetbaggers. And basically, she's returned. Who are those? 
carpetbaggers. They're people from the north who came down to exploit the poor of the south. The okay, they were named after they used to come down with like their bags were made of carpet. So you used to have like those little holdalls, those little valleys. Oh, okay. they called them. They used to come down with them, yeah. which is why they were called. So the... Scarlet has returned home to the plantation Tara. She's been away with her marriage, and she's found that. All of the, the it's, it's post the Emancipation of Proclamation, so it's in 1863. All the slaves have been freed, so they've all run off. She's got back to her home to find that her mum and dad are there, and only two slaves have remained: her old mammy and the old butler. Okay. And she's got there, and her, the day before she arrives, her mother has died. So she gets there just in time to see her mother laid out, and her dad's mind has disintegrated. He's sort of become a bit confused. And so she and Mammy and the, the the male retainer, his name is Pork, which is just horrible. But they're the only three basically, and they have to run the plantation. They so they the three of them are by hand digging the fields. They're planting turnips, and they're basically making a hand to mouth. They're just barely surviving. Yeah. And so this has got to the point where the war's ended, and she's got to the point where she's tight. She thinks. Everything, you know, Rhett Butler's come back and she's met him again and she's she knows the South is defeated but she accepts that once, the, that hopefully things will get better Yeah. after the war and she says she's never going to be hungry again because over the last two years she's been fighting and clawing a, an existence out of the soil. She's been supporting her father, largely supporting Mammy and Pork and then running the plantation alone. So she's, and you see her dress, she's in a ragged dress, she's thin, she's tired where she used to be like the belle of the county, wearing, you know, lavish clothes, her beautifully done hair. She's so, had like an eighteen inch waist, you know, she was the she was the So the, this is girl. this is essentially bottom of the barrel time for her. Yes, you can't get any lower physically, she can't get any lower in terms of where her status is, you know, she's yeah. the everything is broken and she's broken with it. And then she sees an opportunity that in the future she's not ever going to be hungry or defeated again. Doesn't matter what the cost to everyone else. She's never going to be in that position again. Okay, all right. Cool. Think, yeah, sorry, sorry, Sean. No, sure. I was just saying with um with the interest we we were discussing earlier why the book was so popular. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I've I've just seen a thing, North Korea in North Korea. It's a major, major popular book. But um, I think I was seeing really the First World War had happened, and there were probably some when this was made. There were probably some people left from the Civil War, and I who think still remembered the, it. Yeah, who still remembered it, and like people that they would have lost dear ones they would have you know lost people so it was probably quite close to and like europe europe after the first world war there was huge resentment after the first world war because germany was told we were going to squeeze them till the pip squeak yeah and that paved the way basically for the first second world war because germany had this resentment against the rest of europe and the same way in the south because they had such reprisals against them the German tore through the South during the Civil War. Plantations were destroyed. Salt was sown into fields so they couldn't be used for, harp, for crops for years. And there was this huge resentment against the North. Yeah, Sean, did you finish your sure. point from earlier? Um, okay, all right. In Gone with the Wind, North Koreans found echoes of their own history and insights into the United States' bloody civil wars fought nearly a century apart. Two cities, Atlanta and Pyongyang, reduced to rubble after attacks by U.S. forces. Two cultures that still celebrate the way they stood up to the Yankees. If North Koreans had yet to find fortune, they hadn't given up. So this is North Korea. This is, like, really popular. In North Korea, only the strong survive. 
<laughs> so, yeah. so, so I guess that scarlet speech is so like resonates with, yeah. the, resonates so, with a lot of people there. So, like that's it. I'm gonna do whatever yeah. it is. I don't care how how far out it is or to to survive. Yeah, because yeah. in the south they believe the sort of like that pre Civil War era was like the glory days of the south. Even though we look at it and think, actually, you were built on slavery, so actually it was. <laughs> it may look nice on the surface, but underneath it was rotten. Yeah. So, but they don't see that. They see it. This was near the south. We were proud. We were independent. We were doing all these things. Uh, but you enslaved a million people. Uh, so. Yeah, okay, what stories about that? Let, let's move on from that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, as I say, that that that's a very thorny issue, um, um, of which I have my own point of view, which is not what everybody might expect. But never mind. Um, it's but, beloved by the former dictator and movie buff Kim Jong Il. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love. Yeah, apparently, yeah. He was he was like a real musical buff as well. But yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but but um, okay, so. But this is the thing I'm trying to get. The the film became, I mean, the book became very, very popular. Yeah. And it, but it seems to be popular all around America as opposed to just popular in the South. Because the way I remember it, the South lost that war. Yep. The South lost that war. And you know how they say history is written by the victors. So I would have imagined that this book wouldn't have become such a big thing. But it seems to have become such a big thing that essentially it gets wind in Hollywood and then Hollywood decides we're going to make this film. And Hollywood it wasn't just a South thing. I mean, Hollywood, I think even though it's geographically in the South, still had quite a lot of backing and a lot of money was coming from the North. Yeah. And still, there was a big theme behind this film, which is something which I I still don't fully understand because I know that when they, um, it was the book was such a big deal that when the film was being made, it was like, who is going to play Scarlett, Scarlett yeah, O'Hara? Yeah, there's a huge hunt, wasn't there, to find the actress there's, to play. There's an actual film about that. Yes, the there is, isn't Scarlett there? Scarlett I have seen yeah. it. And, and the, the fact that, that Scarlett O'Hara was played by an English woman yeah. was caused quite a... It's like Bridget Jones, wasn't it? You can't have an American playing Bridget Jones. They thought <laughs> you can't have a Brit playing Scarlett O'Hara. Play, play like, you know, Southern Belle. Yeah, and then it was just... Like, when they saw it, it was like, yeah. yeah. Vivian Lee, it was the perfect Scarlett O'Hara. Although, although they said that the, the whole... Because this was a David O. Selznick picture. Yes. And the whole search for Scarlett O'Hara was actually just set up. In that, he, apparently, he'd met Vivian Lee. We before the search actually yeah. started, he decided. She was married to Laurence Olivier. Yeah, he decided that that's who's going to play Scarlett O'Hara. But being the savvy, savvy guy that he is, he was like, "Wait, but if we want to drum up interest in this thing," and then they put this whole thing of, "Oh my God, we've got to find the search. We're gonna, we're gonna audition thousands and thousands of ladies, and it's gonna take like nine months and everything like that." Then they come on the end and go, "This is who we have, a Scarlett O'Hara." But apparently, they decided that way beforehand. Right. <laughs> yeah. They, Good they, publicity. Well, no, that's oh, Selznick. That that's what he did. That's why he earned the big bucks because he figured out how to make something a lot bigger than it is. So, but I think like the the book was that big a deal, and then the film. We haven't actually said too much about the film itself as to why is the film such or so. In your opinions, as people who've seen the film and like you know known it and all that kind of stuff, why is it such a classic? Why is it such a um, revered? Shall I say? Shawnee? Well, okay. I just okay. Well, I think this has got a lot of things in. I mean, I have watched it probably twice actually, and you know, it's as well as oh, I, I don't know. It's got intrigue. It's got some fabulous characters, and weak Ashley. I, I was saying Ashley. Oh Ashley. I just that's what I remember from it. And if I ever meet anybody who's met Ashley, I always go Oh Ashley, and they like, look at me all strange. So, what, 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 what's the reference? Yeah, yeah. What's the reference? But um, I guess I don't know. It's just like 
uh, you know, because Rhett Butler, I should imagine men could actually relate to Rhett Butler. You know, they'd like to be Rhett He's Butler, got that swagger, hasn't he? He's got the swagger, you know. I mean, is it like if you've got a choice out James, of Ashley. Is it like a Civil Civil War era James Bond? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like the cool dude. But Clark like, Gable, he was huge he was star, huge. wasn't he? he was monster, well, yeah. for all of his life, well, yeah. he went but until obviously his acting life, he was just a huge, huge yeah, movie was. star, wasn't he? He was. He was a bit of a big time movie star, and and you've got all the romantic bit as well. I, mean, you've got I the, think it's that the heart of it. I think Melanie, most films in Melanie. Come on, I, I I mean Olivia De Havilland. I think although she's probably she's not as strong as Scarlett O'Hara. I really liked her, but I guess she was a bit. She weak was strong in her own way because I quite like Melanie. Because yeah, in her like own Melanie. way, she was as tough yeah, yeah, yeah. as. Definitely. Who's Melanie? She's the one that Ashley actually married. That's oh okay, gotcha. Ashley's cousin. Yeah. He married his first cousin, which is a bit again. It's like no, yeah, but well, in the book they had that happened. Yeah, well, people did marry their cousins. Yeah, it's what happened back then, just like yeah. everybody owning slaves. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that is quite um, fact based. It was like Sherman's march to Atlanta when they burn Atlanta. He sort of marched through Georgia. There's a famous song, isn't it? Well, we were marching through Georgia. That one, but that's <laughs> that's sort of a, a northern song because they basically just marched through the whole of Georgia and burning, and yeah. it was like a slash and burn right the way did savannah you know it was uh they so brought the south to their knees they did yeah indeed but you know i mean i could go into a big history lesson here about what started <laughs> up at national but i won't i won't bore you with all that nonsense oh, but it's so, well it's not nonsense it's, it's quite interesting really how i think it does endure because it's a as you said it was a an event film of yeah, his day. it was a massive event and bear in film. mind now we, we get sort of a bit blasé about event films because we seem to get them every couple of months but in those days you know big films were you got them every five years or so. These massive, massive, yeah, I, epic I, I, blockbusters. Yeah, I think that sort of era was 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 really, you know, it was it's noted as a good, you know, good year for films. I mean, yeah, thirty nine forty, thirty nine forty. You know, you had like, well, the Errol Flynn thing, Adventures yeah. Robin Hood. Although that was thirty eight, you had, you had Rebecca, Rebecca, didn't you? Snow White, Seven Dwarfs. So there was quite a few. So all goodies. just before the first, all just before all, the Second World yeah. War. So that was, that was quite good. Just yeah. on the eve of the war, yeah. On the eve of the war. But yeah. I think I read somewhere that in if you um, do the maths, you know, where you sort of balance it for today's figures, it took something like a hundred million dollars on its first release. Yeah, well, when you cinema. when you when you adjust for inflation, it is still the highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, it's in. It's phenomenal how much yeah. it took. And I did some research on different facts about Gone with the Wind. It did actually win ten Oscars, including best actress, year, including best supporting actress as well for Hattie McQueen, who no, sorry Hattie McDonald, who played Mammy. Oh yeah, that was the first ever. Wait, yeah, she must have been the first black person to ever win an Oscar. Yes, yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah th- ever. And then I think it was something like thirty odd years before the next someone of colour, but won a, won an Oscar as well. So it's Denzel extraordinary. Washington glory. Yeah, it's extraordinary. But they won ten Oscars for various the script writing and screenwriting and the act, some of the acting awards as well. Yeah. And but yeah, and the numbers, yeah, like it's still the one. If you adjust it for inflation, as you said, one of the biggest grossing films. I, I ever. think they show it every day of the year in Atlanta. Still, <laughs> yes. I think it's you know. And it's been released something like ten times. It's been re re. They trim it by a couple of minutes, or they add a couple of minutes, but it's been re released about ten times. The most recently, like in two thousand and four, it was re released again for cinema. And they, they, yeah, they repackage it and they reboot they it. Might they might package it in 3D. I wonder what it would look like in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Red Butler's moustache coming yes, out of the yeah. screen towards Ooh. you. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, no. Oh, and another fact. Sorry, the last fact. There are only two people still living who actually were in the original film. All right. One of them is Olivia de Havilland. She's still alive and she's 99. Is she? She's going to be 100 in 2016. 
Good God. She's, I love but that. She's, she's, yeah, because when I saw that, I thought, is she still alive? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's living in France. She's lived there since the 1950s, largely semi-retired. She appear, occasionally appears at different award things. But yeah, Olivia de Havilland is one of the, the, wow. the big names from the cast. She's the only one still alive. And there's a supporting actor who has played one like Ashley Wilkes' like younger brother. He's still alive and he's in his well into his 90s as well. Was it, was it, there was... Was it? She had a sister, didn't she? A really famous Joan sister. Fontaine. Fontaine. Yeah. She only died yeah. like Fontaine. two years ago. Really? Yeah. 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 Joan Fontaine was in her nineties. They didn't she like died. each other. They wouldn't appear with each other. There's like <laughs> no. a whole. They they, they absolutely the loathed each other. The rivalry was yeah, just they, like. They had a massive Sylvia rivalry. They did. But okay. they're, they're again they're another little fact. Sorry, sorry, Jason. Another little fact. <laughs> they are the only two siblings who've both won Best, best Actress Oscars. Yeah. yeah. There you go. See. Yeah. Another fact for you. <laughs> All right. Cool. Okay. Now, question. Yes. Contentious question. Is it actually a good film? I, I I can watch it, so yeah, it's got to be a good film. I, think. <laughs> I, I would I, say it's a good film, but I don't think it's a perfect film. No. I think it's flawed, but it's good. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's not a bad film to watch. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't love it. No, I don't love it. Because I find the character of Scarlett Harris slightly annoying, which is why I quite like Melanie. Because, I, Ashley annoys me. Yeah. Ashley. <laughs> Sorry, I keep going on about it. So it's <laughs> not perfect. It's flawed. And I think the book is not perfect, could, but it is. How could Scarlett love Ashley? Really? <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, that's at the end of the film. It's the last, <laughs> towards the end, when she when she gets Ashley, when she basically she could have him if she wanted him, she suddenly thinks, "Actually, I don't love you after all. <laughs> I love her." Okay. Well, but the, the thing with uh, uh, oh, because I I ask because I think it's almost as if it, they made the perfect melodrama in Gone with the Wind. And any other melodrama that tried to come after it was just kind of seen as it's kind of like we've made this, and then everything after that is either like, oh my god, you're just trying to copy Gone with the Wind, or yeah. it's rubbish, or it was kind of like the height at which people went kind of went, okay, yeah. cool, we're done with melodrama, we've done it, we've made the perfect one, we don't really. So now melodrama is almost kind of like a bad word in film, yes. and I feel like Gone with the Wind is a melodrama. But after Gone with the Wind, people went, okay, that's it. This is the point at which we should start thinking that melodrama's not good. <laughs> but because we've made one that's just all the way out there. All the way out there. But anyway, um, that's... I'm surprised they haven't remade it, actually. Although uh, maybe it's too iconic. Maybe it's too precious. I think too you, precious. some things you don't touch, No, no, do you? no I, I, yeah, I think that is essentially what I'm just saying. You've made the perfect melodrama. Why the heck are you going to go try to touch it again? That's there, true. There's absolutely, and it probably would be way too expensive. That's it. You could, you'd have to make it. If you made it for television, you'd look in at like one yeah, of these miniseries yeah, yeah. type yeah. budgets to get the scale of it. So it you couldn't remake it for cinema, I don't think. You'd you have to do it so, like no? Lord of the Rings. You'd have to do like three films of it or something. You could do it Downton Abbey style. Yes. <laughs> as All a right. series. Yeah, All but right. I'm surprised because, I mean, loads of iconic films have been remade, haven't they, really? But this one hasn't been touched in however many years. I think you've just jinxed it, Sean. Well, yeah, probably next Ooh, next just, year just, we'll see. Oh, just remake, listen, listen, with the win remake. Watch for the watch for the advert. <laughs> watch for the announcement tomorrow. All of a sudden, they'll be like, "We're remaking over the wind." <laughs> <laughs> all right, who would they choose as stars? Here is here is okay. Think about that while we play this clip that has the two stars in one of the other most famous scenes from the film. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> I can't let him go. I can't. 
Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that I, it. Yeah, the frankly, my dear, I don't give it a. She got a comeuppance in the end, I think. Yeah. Okay, so exactly what happened? Because I I've gathered that this is towards the end of the film. He tries. He tries all the time to help her in every way he possibly can, and she he, she just basically yeah. rejects him all the time. Well, she's so got so is this, is this this is in the aftermath of the as God is my witness, I will never go hungry again. Oh, this is two hours after that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I meant like you know him trying to help her. Oh, it's all through the film. Yes, he ma- they do get married and they have a daughter and they have a sort of contented life for a while, then things go a bit wrong and he goes off to London then he comes back just in time for Melanie's death and then Ashley's free and then it, he's he's suddenly, you know, you know what, I've run after you, I've looked after you, I've done all these things for you and you're still going on about Ashley. Well, I've had enough, so see you, missus. And then he walks out and she's thinking, I could have Ashley, but I don't love Ashley. I love Rat, and she goes running after him, and saying, "I love you, I love you now." And he's going, "You know what? It's too late, girl." And I've had so enough. I've had enough. And frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. That's perfect. That was that was brilliant. Well done. <laughs> that, was, that was that was spot on. You nailed it. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Cool. Uh, maybe that. So so it doesn't have a happy ending for Scarlett. No, she's left her on sobbing on the doorstep, and she's like going, "I will get him back." And you're left with that. Does she or does she oh, not? That's know? how the film ends. Yeah, sobbing. She's sobbing oh. on the doorstep. And he slams the door and he walks off. That's it. That's the film ends. Okay, maybe that's so, why it's so So where good. does Tomorrow is Another Day come in? She then? says that at the very end. Does she? Yeah, that's... But, oh, right, yeah. She's so, like, we'll get him back. After all, tomorrow oh. is another day. <laughs> <laughs> so you're trying to tell me that the, the it always feels as if like Scarlet and Red are out there somewhere and there's like this unwritten sequel to Gone with the Wind, which is just Scarlet There O'Hara. is a book written. There is a sequel written, but I don't think it was written by Margaret Mitchell. I think it was written later. Oh, right. Scarlet. Is she, is she just is just her sort of like stalking Rhett Butler? Yeah, trying to get him back. <laughs> Who would be good as Scarlet this now in modern day? What contemporary actress do you think would be good? Oh, I don't that? know who could do that sort of willfulness, that no. beauty and willfulness at the same time. Julianne Moore, although she's probably a bit old now. Yes, yeah, because I would have said you know, someone to me it would be like Helena Bonham Carter because she's just stunning. But again, 20 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. I have to think about that. Although, you know, the funny thing is that this film actually caused a lot of problems for the censors with this one scene. Yeah, the word damn, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, because they, they had, they, they, they were like, oh, we can't use the word damn, we can't say the word damn on film. And so they actually had a list of, <laughs> they had a list of different alternatives which they gave to the filmmakers, like the studio gave to the filmmakers saying, oh, how, how about this? Think about this, think about this. And one of them, which they were really, really keen on using, was, frankly, my dear, my indifference is endless. Oh, Snappy, mm. not <laughs> wouldn't so, have worked. Wouldn't so, have worked. so, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And then music swells and everything yeah. like that could have been. Frankly, my dear, my indifference is endless. Is, is endless. And then, uh, yeah, whatever. Who talks like that? Bye. Because <laughs> I like it. Think it's quite funny if they say like, frankly, my dear, I don't give a darn. <laughs> frankly, like my dear, I don't give a rooting dude and gosh darn. <laughs> See, I, I would find that funny. I suppose it gets that, yeah. It was the perfect line for the circumstances, but yeah, we're talking. And there was a scene earlier which suggested marital rape, even though it wasn't in the in the film, but it suggests you know, that she's refusing to sort of you know, fulfil her marital rights, as it were. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, no, that's it. I'm, you know, and she, he, you see him, heard him dragging her up towards the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And there's a suggestion you know, that he you know, had his way. Um, with her, and so that at the time that was quite controversial. With you know, the fact that he, you know, might have been more aggressive than he needed to be. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I might, I might, I might have to give him one of these and actually watch this film. But... but there's lots to it. But yeah, you have to 
you have to have a strong stomach to last for four hours, you know. So. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just do, it, I'll do it the way they used to do it in the old days. I'll give myself an interval. Mm. I'll just watch the first half and then treat the second half as a sequel. But yes. uh, yeah, wait till she's yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, okay. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I think we've we've had a sort of gone with the wind size discussion on that. Oh, I'm going with the way, which is I think, which is it's pretty fitting. It's pretty fitting, but now, um, yes, we're going. We're onto a hidden gem time, and Sean, you chose the hidden gem this week. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's uh, yep. Yeah, would you like? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Tell us what it yeah, is. Yeah, this is this is Clint Eastwood. One of Clint Eastwood's, I I think, greatest movie. Really, I I really enjoy that. It's a film called Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Um, okay, and it stars Clint Eastwood, Jeff Bridges. And we're talking about blokey picks. This is, um, you know, it's it's a bunch of blokes, really. Um, <laughs> so, and, and a road movie. Um, the story, the the premise is basically um, these these this guy, they committed a bank robbery, or this bunch of guys committed a bank robbery, and the money was put underground and hidden, and the guy who knew where it was died. And there's one more guy, Clint Eastwood, who knows where it is. And then two of the other guys that were involved in the robbery they they find Clint Eastwood, they chase him, and he teams up with this young lad, and uh, they decide they're going to do the robbery again. So, it's it starts off with, <laughs> Jeff, oh dear, Jeff Bridges is this young guy, and he just happens to he's drive. he's Lightfoot, right? Yeah, this is how it starts off. He's Lightfoot, yeah, and basically it starts off. He's he goes to a car sales room and he gets in a car, big convertible car, and he pretends he's got a gammy leg, but then he just takes off in this car. Um, and then there's a shot of Clint Eastwood, this guy coming through a cornfield with a gun. Clint Eastwood's like a preacher. He's all like a preacher in a church. Yeah. And the guy comes in and tries to shoot him, and he breaks out the back, and just as Lightfoot sort of uh, come along in the car, he jumps in the car, and that's how they become friends. And he's sort of like a bit of a mentor to him. They, they, they hit it off really well. Yeah. And they go on a little bit of a road trip. He sails the car, and then they uh, this Red Leary who was the other guy involved in the bank robbery, <laughs> they they find him and they, they sort of so, kidnap him in the car, if you like, and they say, okay, and they're going to kill him. But then he says, why don't we do it again? Why don't we do the <laughs> robbery again? So wait, wait well, what, why are they doing the robbery again? Because I, I, they, I thought they had all the money in a field somewhere. No, yeah, it's it's behind that. I put some spoilers in because I'm sure people have seen this. It's, it's been hidden. It's been hidden in a schoolhouse. Okay. And... Um, so they get, they get there first of all. And oh, so say, they have to rob the schoolhouse again? No, 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 no. They, so they, to get the money back? To, to get the money. It's where it's hidden. It's behind a blackboard okay. in the schoolhouse. And they go to the school, They go to the place where they thought the money was. Yeah. And it's been knocked down or there's a new school there. So the, the school isn't there. So the money's money's gone. So <laughs> they get... Old Red Leary gets really, really angry. And, uh, and he's like, right. And then Lightfoot says, why don't we do it again? So they all get regular jobs, except Red Leary. One, uh, like one gets a job as an ice cream man. The other one does gardening. Um, he works, and they they put all their money together and they buy this uh, cannon to. <laughs> and they decide they're going to rob the bank again. Oh, that ex- that explains the poster for the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was it just Clint Eastwood sat on top of what looks like it, it's, it's what twenty it's a millimeter, massive, twenty a massive millimeter. cannon, but yeah. it, it looks like a blown up sort of like magnum or something like that. Yeah, no, um, it's, a, it's a twenty millimeter cannon, which yeah. you know they sort of shoot the rivets out. So they do it, but it all goes a bit wrong at the end. The, the robbery's successful, 
But when they try to hide out, it all goes a bit wrong. Well, it is, it, well this was a 70s movie, right? 70s movie, yeah. And the thing is, I, I, I find it funny because I think it's it'll be funny to actually see... I don't think that there's a 70s movie in which a robbery goes right. No, <laughs> that's, that's it. I don't think it. in 70s movies, like whenever there's a robbery, it's kind of like, you know, you have a you have these characters and you get to see all the characters, but the robbery will go wrong. Yeah. That something will go wrong at some point that will just lead to, you know, and and it's weird because in the 70s, it, it never seems to end well for the robbers. No, no, it, that was a, a, okay. it was a good okay. era of films, the 70s, but, but you're exactly right. It all goes a bit awry. Okay. All right. Um, we've got some music here from Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. We'll play this and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the film. All right. Good. Yes, that was Paul Williams with Where Do I Go From Here from the soundtrack of Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Now, I was just seeing, like, watching some clips from it and seeing, it, it seems like it's a sort of like a bit of a buddy movie. Oh, yeah, big time buddy movie. I yeah. mean, and it's great. It's like I've said, if you, I, I've got a theme here, haven't I? I mean, a lot of the films that I like are really buddy movies, you know, road movies, buddy movies. Yeah. But bunch of blokes. Um, yeah, so I, I, I guess it really appeals to me, this, but... I think it appeals to a lot of people as well. It's got some really high ratings on some of the review sites. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah? Yeah, I was going to say it because it seems like the kind of film that it would, it's sort of like, it will be a very, very likeable film. And it's the kind of film that would really sort of like work on the likability of Jeff Bridges in his cool, laid back, cheeky, chappy mode. Yeah. And Clint Eastwood, who's just sort of like, you know, cool, full, He's full just stuff. He's cool, anyways. There's, yeah. there's a lot of discussion. They say that Jeff Bridges sort of outshone Clint Eastwood. But um, well, because I'm guessing Clint Eastwood was the big star, and Jeff Bridges would be like the the up and comer. Yeah, the up and comer. Yeah, yeah. it's probably his third film, I think, something like that. So, yeah. um, but but the guy, the guy I really like, Jeffrey Lewis. Now he plays a character called Goody. He's like a bit. He's got a gun. I just remember this scene where he's got a gun. And he goes, "Oh, what shall I do, Red? <laughs> what shall I do, Red?" He goes, "Shoot him! Shoot him!" He goes, bah, bah. and uh, Clint Eastwood just grabs his gun and sort of knocks him out. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, goody. Jeffrey Lewis, um, he's been in quite a few. He's like a stock Clint Eastwood actor, I think. He's been in a few movies. He was in those Every Which Way But Loose. And, All right. Um, yeah, he was his brother in that. Um, so, And also his daughter, who's one of my favourite actresses, is Juliette Lewis. So, oh, right, wow. Yeah. Oh. So, so, yeah, so I think she's a great actress. But, yeah. Um, it definitely makes very interesting choices. Yeah, really, really, definitely, yeah. But I think she's she's great. I mean, Sharon, have you you've seen this film? Haven't you? I've you've seen, seen this film, yes, a couple of times. Mm. I remember seeing it at, in the seventies. Well, sort of early later days, seventies, because mm. well, I've mentioned this before. I grew up in the seventies, and my mum worked in the evenings, and so I grew up basically with my dad and my two brothers. They <laughs> dictated what we saw, so I was the youngest and the only girl. So I grew up watching the Sweeney, Starsky and Hutch. All these, all anything sort of boy related, <laughs> oh. I saw none of the girly stuff from the seventies. I got to see at all. So all my influences tend to be of like the masculine. So when people say anything about the seventies films, it's like, yeah, seen it. 
yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? No, all about those, yeah. All these films that have come on the telly or whenever, it's like, yeah, saw those. I've seen them all. Because it's, you know, I wasn't the one who chose, but I enjoyed it. To me, this was like what you watched when you yeah. sat down to watch telly. And, so. and and it is a great movie. It is a good film. And I think, yeah, yeah again, it plays on the two, the two leading actors. It is yeah. all about their personalities and their different characteristics, their relationship. It does play it yeah, and yeah. I do remember this the, the, and, and again it's that landscape isn't it that American landscape with the, white, the white painted churches and the open spaces and the long roads yeah because and it just yeah it just lends itself the thing is that it, so this is a film that is set in the 70s right yep as yeah. in it, within in the world of the film it is the 70s but it's often referred to as a western everywhere I can see they seem to just call this western movie like yeah. a, to learn about a lightfoot a western but it's so, Sean. You're a Western expert. I yep. mean, what do you reckon about that? People referring to this film as a Western. Yeah, I would say it's a, a, it fits, a Western. It, it fits. So, but then a lot of films are Western. Star Wars is a Western, really. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it, yeah, it's definitely a Western, and it, and all the scenery is in Montana, mm-hmm. which is which is absolutely fabulous, really. And you um, have a car instead of a horse. Don't yeah, you have a car you instead have of a horse. Yeah, some nice cars as yeah. well. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people. Would would like a sports car, but me, I'd like a nice nineteen sixty two Cadillac Coupe de Ville, you know, big red thing with a convertible. <laughs> just man, that would that would just be the well, best thing. One of those things with a throaty engine. Yeah, <laughs> just a big beast, you know. Rather than if someone said, "Oh, well, you can have a Porsche Carrera or, or something." Any car you or, have in the world. That's yeah, I would choice. have a, a either a, a fifty eight Buick Roadmaster or sixty two Cadillac Coupe de Ville convertible. So, so it's some American, some American muscle car that just sits there and growls at you. Yeah, yeah. Big. I'd have a classic mini with a Union Jack painted on the roof <laughs> <laughs> in red. But, but yeah, the, um, back Ooh. to the film. It's 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 really really good. As the um, as I say, they they come together because these two guys, Goody Red Leary, they're after Clint Eastwood, and they do. And but then they they sort of become friends again you know because they were mates before and they become friends do the robbery but then there's a falling out yeah um, and basically um red leary just absolutely lays into jeff bridges just absolutely beats him to a pulp nearly knocks out clinton he beats him to a pulp and takes off and he gets he's got a nasty comeuppance as well because the police are sort of chasing him and he smashes through into this store where he was a cleaner and they got doberman guard dogs on which uh, which they leave there at night so that, that's a good scene and then you know what i was saying about the schoolhouse well, yeah as, yeah, yeah. As, where, as where they originally had yeah, the money in they sort of on the road just getting away and then they just they're walking along and they see this schoolhouse and it says was moved by montana national parks like that and and so they and go it's still intact it's yeah. still intact and they go into the they go into this and they sit down and they look at this blackboard and they're like, hmm, I wonder. And some, <laughs> some tourists come in and they sort of, oh, they, they see these two guys. He goes, oh, you can have our money, you can have our money. <laughs> and they go, no, just go. And they manage to get this uh, blackboard down and sure enough, there it is. <laughs> and, but it's a bit of a sad ending, so I won't say any more than that. All right, cool. Cool. Well, it is the seventies, and it is like a crime caper movie. It's it's a kind of film like you know when you talk about people going on a quest and getting something. It's a kind of film that seems to be making a bit of a comeback. Like there was a film recently called Black Sea. Oh, Black Sea! I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. Is that the one with the submarine? Yeah, Jude the submarine Law, movie with Jude Law, which is all yeah. about people going to go try and find this money somewhere, and then things just sort of like slowly fall apart between people because the greed takes over. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and for me that that feels like a very sort of 
Well, I know I know people compare that film to like Treasure of the Sierra Madre, but it feels like a very seventies thing. Like people go in there and then almost like greed takes over. So you have like films where things just don't quite work, like Doug Day Afternoon or anything like that, or taking a film one, two, three, where there's this essentially great lovely plan that's destroyed by human beings, quite frankly. Although this one doesn't seem like it's that that the plan is that well thought out. No, no, that's <laughs> not very sophisticated. Is not it? very sophisticated. Well, it was quite sophisticated this one, but it just um, went wrong at the end because there was the falling out. But um, you know, it was uh, humans. Oh, oh yeah, driving movie. That's how they get found out because they hide goody in the boot, and they sort of go to this driving movie because Jeff Bridges has got dressed up as a woman to to, <laughs> to, to, to the, the guy who watches all the alarms. He, yeah, the guy who watches all the alarms to see you know National Bank. So they, he goes, I'm not dressing up as a woman, but he did. And he sort of, this guard lets him in and he coshes him over the head and drags him so that when the alarm goes off, they don't know about it. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so that's that's a real, he, I think he got ribbed a lot about that by his brother, Bo, and his father, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. about, you know, his brother, Lloyd. Yeah. His fa- father's Lloyd. Father's Lloyd, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Okay, cool. That's that's pretty cool. That's pretty, oh. it's, it's it's really you should see this movie. Well, it is it is. I like it, and it also goes on with another one of our recent themes, which is seeing stars when they were younger. So, yeah. like seeing, I think especially Jeff Bridges, because Jeff Bridges nowadays he's mainly known for like being the dude and the Big Lebowski, and um, and just for like you know it's for that and that's sort of almost gruff thing did, that he did. Does you see that. him recently in Tron? In Tron. He was in Tron, yeah. So I saw him in Tron, yeah. I saw him in Tron. And he was in The Giver this year, wasn't he? And he's been in a couple of others where he's like the elder statesman now. He's like grey-haired with a yeah. beard. And yeah, he's, and he's, he's, all, he's all craggy-faced he's and growly voice he? and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so and so it's always, for me, it's fun seeing him younger. It's fun it's fun seeing him like, you know, really, really fresh-faced, like sort of Starman era. Yeah, because you forget <laughs> that these people have been around for 40 for years. For ages, yeah. 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 For ages. And I think it's just, it's... It, well, I, I feel like we'll talk when we talk about films we've seen in the cinema recently. I think, uh, I think it's good to see that they're still around and they're still doing great work. Yeah, there was. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, he's made some good films, Jeff Bridges. What was the um? What was that one with Michelle Pfeiffer he made? With the, the fabulous those brothers, Baker the Boys. Fabulous Baker, Baker Boys. Boys yeah. yeah, that's 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 a good movie. I quite enjoyed that. All right, cool. Right, we are going on. So we will we'll go on from that. Thank you, Sean. You've given me yet another yeah, another film in the growing list I have <laughs> of films I should get around to watching because those are really, really good. You know, when we started this show, it sounded like such a good idea. We'll talk about films that we love. I didn't realize it was going to give me a whole bunch of films to go watch <laughs> that, uh, that, I, that I've... And I'm getting to the annoying position where I'm like, well, I've got work to do, so I can't really spend all my time watching films anymore, which is... Which which kind of sucks because my work is just about making films and now I can't even go watch them anymore. Just ah, it's annoying. Anyway, enough about my life. Now we go into a section of the show which we call the exception to the rule. So a film that was made after 1980 that we think we can mention this in the same breath as your Gone with the Winds and your Thunderbolts and Lightfoots. And Sean, what film is it that we're talking about today? Okay, the exception to the rule. And I actually went to see this with Sharon. Yeah, we, saw we it, it was one of the films we saw together. Um and. It's called The Salvation, mm-hmm. and it's it's a Western. Oh, yeah. there's, <laughs> there's a surprise, everyone. A Western, yeah. Um, well, well if, even in that, I mean, okay, because you said you went to see this. How long ago was this film released? Last year. Last year, yeah. Uh, yeah last so, year. yeah, I mean, a Western being made last year, That's even that, that's a bit, that's... 
That's a that's notable in itself for Western entering mm. the cinemas in that recent. Should, it might have been this year. It was made last year, but released this year. Oh, it might have been. Yeah, it would have been earlier this year. It the time. Year. Where does the time go? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, nearly Christmas. So yeah. So we. So the salvation. And so even even that being uh, because they don't make many westerns anymore. No, they don't, which is a shame. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but okay. So tell me about this. Tell me about the salvation. It's so it's a western that's being made in an era where they don't make westerns anymore. And for you being a western fan, the film must really be good for you to actually say this is an exception to the rule. Or, or were you just happy that a western was being made? Full stop. No, it was a good. It was a good. It was a good film. Um, yeah. It's. Uh, it was. It was slightly different, wasn't it? You wouldn't call it a classic western, really. It's no, it does follow one of the. There's different types of western. Mm. You've got your buddy movie. You've got your cowboy western where it's like cattle drives and that sort of thing. And then you've got your revenge Revenge western, western yeah. Ooh. And this falls into the revenge western. And it's very, I mean, I mean the actual cinematography, isn't it? It's beautiful, very, absolutely uh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's, so you've got, um, yeah, the the guy that he moves out to America, doesn't he? Is it, yeah, he's a Danish yep. immigrant. Danish immigrant. Played by Mads Mikkelsen. Yep. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. You like him, <laughs> and and it's. <laughs> I get, Sharon, Sharon, thank you for giving us, thank you for giving us license to do that about any sort of like female star that we think like yeah. it might be a little bit. Um, be you know. my guest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, Sean, carry on. Yeah, so this is a bit like, um, well, we spoke about Rolling Thunder last week. Anyway, this this immigrant's wife and child get killed. And he just basically goes on revenge, he, and, and he finds these people, and he, he kills the people. But then, the people he's killed, or the one of the people he's killed, is a brother of like the local nasty outlaw. Well, essentially um, gangster. Yeah, yeah. And he uncovers this plot. Doesn't he does, he, yeah. Because there's all oil, isn't there? There's like there's oil under the land. No one really, yeah. yeah. No one really knows how valuable it's going to be do they really and they just think it's just a waste but he's got this and there's a mute woman in it as well isn't there yeah there's a mute woman and it's just there's lots of so it sounds sounds like this is classic vignettes yes oh yeah that's what I was about to say it's like you know how you would uh, I mean Sean obviously of Often, when you speak about westerns, you talk about the characters, yeah, and you talk about how, like, you know, you have that these characters that you remember, even though they don't do much, or even though they don't show up for much for a little. You remember, oh, he's the guy who, yeah. you know, brings yeah. out the golden lighter, <laughs> or he's the guy who does that wink, or he's the guy who kills the iguana. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, oh, so it's things. So it seems like this is like this is a film that has sort of captured that whole idea because. You're, you're not even talking about the stars who play this. You're just talking about the characteristics, like, oh, the mute woman, oh, yeah. the mob boss, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So it, it sounds like it's a kind of film that does that, that just gives you characters uh, in a situation, more or less. Yeah, I think, um, who's who's the girl who plays it? Ava Green. Ava Green. Yeah, because, I mean... Yeah, she's mute, so she doesn't say a word, but, but she acts through her yeah. eyes and her body. body. And everything is... Yeah. yeah, She's so expressive that she doesn't need to say anything. You no, know what she's thinking. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's she, she's a great character. Yeah, um, and the the mob boss is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. See, he I remember know him from, like, from Supernatural. He was like the Winchester's dad. The first time I saw him, but again, he's this extraordinary character. You think when you first meet, him, he's so likable, and he's he's like plays this retired major, doesn't he? Mm. And you think, oh, you can't be such a, that such a bad guy. Then you realise he's utterly ruthless. Ruthless, totally. Yeah. yeah, and their relationship, her, his, and the mute woman. You think it's one thing. And then one scene, it just completely turns it around. 
again, very, very well scripted, very well played, the whole drama. Yeah. Yeah, this it's a film. A lot of a lot of stuff that I've heard about, um, heard about the film. It says that it also talks about an era of, uh, well, it talks about an era of um, the the West. Essentially, it's the Western looking at something that the Western doesn't usually look at. Yes, which is you know it, it's so very, it focuses a lot on the fact that these people are immigrants. Yes. And it, f- it seems to focus on the fact that or on the whole sort of immigration process of, oh, they have just arrived in the country. They're bringing their families over and all that kind of stuff, which which for me was an interesting idea, because the truth is um, sometimes you see in some Westerns like, like, you know, they'll have like, you know, Irish people in them, but they never explain how they got there and uh, what the difference is between like, you know, who are the Americans and who are the Irish and how did the Americans become the Americans and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, because most Westerns, it's all American. It's the American film, isn't it? It's the American... Yeah, it's, it's it the American film. It could be made film. anywhere else. Yeah, it's the American film, but it doesn't... Uh, but it's the fact that it shows that even though that the American... American cowboy, so to say, wasn't entirely just like it didn't arrive fully formed. No, because there's still these people coming over from De- from Denmark Actually, and all that. There's I don't normally watch TV series, but I've started watching Hell on Wheels. Yeah, I love Hell on Wheels. Hell on Wheels, and I mean it's in there. There's just like Irish guys, isn't there? Yes, the two so Irish brothers. With well, the, with two the brothers. Yeah. yeah. What Hell yeah. on Wheels? Um, it's the building of the railway. It's building of the trans um continental railway okay so it, again it's the same era as the salvation it's set just after the american civil war so a period of unrest mm-hmm. and the main character he's uh coming he's come out of the, the south his wife and child have been killed during the <laughs> southern a, wars there's a theme going there's here. a theme here <laughs> and he gets a job on the railways he's starting to he, he basically starts off as a revenge western again he's hunting down the men who killed his wife and he stumbles upon one of them's working on the railway and he gets a job on the railway and then he becomes committed to building the railway across the continent and then all his adventures ensues. But it focuses on this one character. It's, a good, oh. it's good though, isn't it? Excellent, excellent yeah, drama. Yeah. And I thought with um, The Salvation, I mean, it starts off with like Mads Mikkelsen and his brother, they've come from Denmark after the wars in Denmark in the early 1860s. And so they're getting like they're army veterans and they've been there. You gather they you gather they've been there four or five years establishing their ranch before sending for their wife and his wife and child. So they haven't seen his wife and child for five years and then they arrive and then this tragedy happens. Mm. So it's a classic scenario where they're, they're, they've built up this the American dream and then you get this tragedy. And so it then his inner strength comes out by seeking revenge for his loved ones. Yeah. And so, and everything I've seen about the film, it seems like it's almost a modern day spaghetti western, as opposed to like you know uh, John Ford western. Yes, it's yeah, it is. It's that, and the the mood, the lighting. I thought the lighting yeah. was extraordinary yeah. of it, it was. and the cinematography was just extraordinary. Yeah, it, was it was like a painted canvas. It it was beautiful. It really was beautiful. Some of the scenes, you think. And I think it was more extraordinary because it wasn't actually filmed in America. It's filmed in South Africa. So the landscape and the light is different anyway. But it was it was a lovely, lovely shot film. All right. So so it, it's kind of... Uh, so even though... Oh, a bit like spaghetti westerns that weren't actually shot in America, but shot That's in right. Italy. That's right, in Italy, yeah. So you get that different light, don't you? You get the different vibe. Actually, spaghetti westerns were mainly shot in Spain. Were they? <laughs> yeah, Almeria, a place called Almeria. You can sometimes, if you go on holiday, you can you can come across them, yeah. There's nothing real anymore! I don't know what to believe! So although they were spaghetti westerns and done by Italian directors, they were actually, a lot of them were filmed in Spain. More like paella westerns. <laughs> uh, what would if they filmed in Greece? What would they be? What's a Greek dish? 
Feta Westerns. Doesn't sound quite as cool, does it? Feta Westerns. Schnitzel, schnitzel, schnitzel westerns. westerns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what about UK? What could we do for UK western? Bubble and squeak western. Oh, yeah, western. say pie and mash or something. Pie and Sausage mash. And yeah. mash. Fish and chips western. Spotted dick westerns. <laughs> bubble and squeak. <laughs> yeah, bubble and squeak, yeah. Roast roast, roast beef. Jellied eels. Ro- yeah. yeah, jellied eels. Jellied, <laughs> jellied eels western. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, Salvation, good film. Salvation, good film. Yeah, excellent film. Yeah, really good. A good film. So, it's, uh, so and is it, does it do the sort of similar sort of spaghetti western Sergio Leone thing of ooh you don't know who's a good guy or maybe there isn't really a good guy this is a world of greys as opposed to black and white I think you do get your good and the bad guys you, but yeah. there's some people you think oh he's a good guy he can't die or he's mm. a bad guy he's gonna get his comeuppance and that does play with that a yeah, little bit yeah it does play with that a little bit yeah it's not uh, yeah I mean yeah because some people think oh he's got to be bulletproof he yeah. you can't oh you can't kill mm. him there's there's and, elements yeah. there's a, yeah yeah I know the guy exactly who you think uh, who you're yeah. talking about now yeah Oh. oh, sorry, yeah, about that. We're just looking at no, his brother, basically. His yeah. brother, Is that yeah. what you're thinking? Yes, yeah, his brother. His brother you, think you just think he's like he's indestructible. He's a stand-up, upright guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. He isn't going to die, and then he, he dies. He is Ned Stark. Yeah. He's Ned Stark. Yeah, you don't expect it to happen, and then it does happen. <laughs> I was genuinely moved. Yeah. I was thinking, that's awful. Awful, yeah. I didn't want him to die. I know, I know. He was like, yeah, because you, you thought he was the of the two brothers. He was probably the he more, more the professional. The, yeah, yeah. The, the bigger uh, brother, you know, yeah. yeah. Okay, for anybody planning to see The Salvation like me, sorry for spoilers. Yeah. but so you don't, We don't, haven't told you the ending. <laughs> okay, oh, now you've told me there is an ending. Oh, no. Supposed to be good. Okay, we're about to go. So anyway, until next time, please do stay well, listen to your doctors, and remember as always that they do not make them as they, like they used to. Good night. Good night. <laughs>